Well, good morning, everyone. This, this really is quite exciting because we're doing the talks live. We'll have more talks that are live. We've, we've obviously got the hosting live from downstairs here in the hall. And the, uh, the plan is eventually we might even be able to have the worship live as well. Uh, we've got quite a long way and a lot of stuff to work through before we get there. But um, it's all really uh, very exciting and we're making improvements and we're learning all the time. Of course, the other thing that's happening at the same time is we're thinking about how we're going to get together again. How will that be possible? And uh, what will that look like? How will it work for us? And, and how does that interact with all that we've been learning about doing live streams and, and everything else? So um, there are a lot of changes that are coming. And uh, the main problem is that we don't really know what those changes are. So we are working out as we go along. Anyway. Um, I've got the talk to do and uh, I've got round about 10 minutes and they haven't started yet because this is just the introduction and me saying hello. So I'm checking my clock over here. Uh, I think I've got about 10 minutes. So um, if you want me to, to fit everything I'd like to say into 10 minutes, let's pray. Father, please help us to, um, to hear you and to know what it is that you want to say to us about prayer now in Jesus' name. So this is the end of the series we've been doing about prayer. We've obviously been working through this time of prayer cubed, praying uh, together, praying, uh, uh, I can't even remember what they were now. Uh, we have three things in three ways for three months. That was it. I ought to remember that because I thought of it. Three things, three ways, three months. And we're almost at the end of that period. You can still get involved. There are prayer meetings on Mondays and Thursdays, and uh, we pray on Sunday mornings as well. But the question is, why have we done this? Why have we had this extended time of praying? And uh, what do we really discover about God as we pray? Prayer isn't just about asking for things. Often our, our focus is on, on asking for things, because after all, when Jesus was teaching about prayer, he said, um, pray for the Lord's kingdom to come. When you pray, pray like this. Pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's about bringing something from heaven to the earth. And, and that's really what the Christian life is, uh, is built around. It's Jesus bringing the, the life of heaven to earth. It's the salvation that comes through Jesus that comes from there to here. And so a lot of our prayer is is focused around that. But it isn't just about asking because what type of relationship is it with somebody where you're only asking for things, where every time you see somebody you're saying, oh, can I have this and can I have that and uh, what's happening with this? That's not really a, a kind of relationship. That's just a shop, isn't it? <laughs> just go in, well, I'll have one of those and one of those, excuse me, <coughs> one of those and one of those. And um, you're not building any type of relationship. So the the praying that we want to engage in personally is one where we build a stronger sense of understanding between who we are, who the Lord is, and, and how we interact together. But as we do that, we learn more about the asking. There's no doubt that Jesus encouraged us to ask. And we're going to look particularly at a story out of Mark chapter 5. At least I think it's Mark chapter 5. I'm going to check my notes here. Um, 
about two miracles. It's a well-known story. I'm not going to read through the whole thing, but you can go back to it later and read it. It's about a man called Jairus and about a woman whose name we don't know. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm going to uh, pick out some some bits that I've highlighted. Um, Starting verse 21. After Jesus returned from across the lake, a huge crowd of people quickly gathered around him on the shoreline. Pay attention to that. It's a huge crowd of people. Word was getting around that when Jesus was there, amazing things happened. And people really needed to have those amazing things happen in their life. Just then, a man saw that it was Jesus, so he pushed through the crowd and threw himself down at his feet. His name was Jairus, Jairus, sorry, Jairus, not Jairus, Jairus, a Jewish official official who was in charge of the synagogue. I don't know what's happening this morning. My words are not coming out very well. Uh, Jairus was the leader of the synagogue. This is a really responsible job in uh, that time. It was a very high position. He was a, um, a respected man. But it says here, he pushed through the crowd. Why would you do that? It's a really undignified thing to do. Why would you do that? And why would you throw yourself down? If you're a, um, a senior official in a community, why would you throw yourself down in front of Jesus, who was really just a, a young teacher that had no background, no qualifications, nobody knew much about him, and yet Jairus saw something in Jesus' life that he wanted to pay respect to. So he pushed through, remember that. Um, Then it goes on, he pleaded with Jesus saying over and over, please come with me, my little daughter is at the point of death, she's only 12 years old. Come lay your hands on her and heal her for she will live. So Jairus knew what he wanted and he was prepared to do anything to get that. Then the story moves on to a woman who's in the crowd She's uh, generally an outcast in society. She's not in a great position in that society just because she's a woman. But she's also, she's, um, she's got this problem, internal bleeding, which gives her this sense of uncleanness. It makes her ritually unclean. She can't worship. She can't participate in life in the same way. And she pushes through as well. Uh, verse 27, when she heard about Jesus' healing power, she pushed through the crowd. She came up behind him touched his prayer shawl. If I could even touch his clothes, I know I will be healed. So here's two people, different stations in life, but they are both pushing through to get to Jesus. Uh, And then we'll go further on in the story. Verse 34, Jesus said to her, to the woman, daughter, because you dared to believe, your faith has healed you. And then with uh, Jairus, he goes on, uh, they get to his Jairus' house. There's no need to trouble the master any longer, says a man who comes from Jairus' house. Your daughter has died. But Jesus refused to listen to what they were told. And he said, don't yield to fear. Okay, so we've got two points here. We've got these two people pushing through, and then we've got this sense of boldness and Jesus' encouragement for Jairus not to give in to the fear that was around him. All right, what happens when we pray? When we're praying for something that that we really want to see. When we have that kind of desire, when it's something that is 
desperately, desperately important, either because it's a real need, there's something seriously wrong and we want it to be different, or else because it's something that we are yearning for and the, the desire grows and grows and grows within us. We need to know the type of relationship we have with God that we can ask in that way. Jairus didn't, didn't stop to ask if it was okay to throw himself down in front of Jesus. He just pushed through the people. You can imagine him saying, come on, get out of the way, get out of the way. I've got to get to Jesus. And then he throws himself down. This woman, probably less vocal about it, but I can imagine her in her very desperate need, pushing people out the way and just saying, I've only got to touch his clothes. The type of desire that these people show is something that you may recognize from the prayers that you've prayed at times. I certainly can identify lots of things that, I've, that I'm praying for at the moment or that I've prayed for in the past where I have this sense of I need to push through something. And one of the things we often need to push through is our own fear. Our own fear of what we will look like of, of how we will appear to other people, whether we're getting a bit too enthusiastic, whether we seem a bit too focused on that one thing. Uh, you know, I've had times when I've been praying for things and people have said, you're taking this a bit too seriously, Graham. You, you just, you know, don't get quite so carried away with this. But it's only because what's happening inside is growing in, in desperation almost. And one of the questions I wonder about us is how desperate are we to see the things that we're asking for? How desperate are you in your praying? Is it just a kind of academic exercise? Well, I think I ought to pray and I think these are good things to ask for. I'm going to pray for Auntie Nelly and I don't have an Auntie Nelly, by the way. You may, but I don't. I'm going to pray for this and I'm going to pray for people in that country and people in this situation. But where does it impinge on you personally? Where do you say, I'm praying for this because I am desperate to see it? I just made a, a list of things, uh, and, and this is just the things that I can tell you about. I've got a load of things that I don't want to tell you about. But one of the things I pray for desperately is to, for us to be a church that's completely in love with Jesus, that everything else is secondary, and that we are so wholeheartedly committed that when people hear of City Church in Worcester, they go, oh yeah, that's that bunch of people that really, really love Jesus. That's one of the things that I'm praying for. Um, the other thing I'm really praying for is, is for a new home for us. I love this place and I've had lots of great times here, but I know we need a new place. And it's been in the, the prayer cubed list, but I am growing in my, my longing, my desperation to see us in a new place. The places that we're looking at, at the moment, I go and uh, just go and park outside them. They're all empty, so it doesn't matter. I go and park outside them and I, I look at them and I visualize them. They may not be the right places, but I say, Lord, if it's not this one, then I want one like this or I want one that's better. Um, I'm very involved in, in education, as you know, and in, in Europe. And I've, I've got this thing about every child in Europe having a Christian teacher at least once in their lives. I have no idea if I'll ever see that in my lifetime. But that is a, a prayer of longing within me. It's not just, oh, you know, that sounds like a good, impressive thing to pray. It directs the way I pray. It directs the things I do and all that I'm involved in because 
I want to see those things. And there's, there's other stuff as well. There are lots of individuals I pray for in their situations. Some of you that I pray for in your situations. Um, I've got a dodgy hip. Well, I've got one and a half dodgy hips, really. And, do you know, I, I'm really desperate for God to do something about that. I know it can happen in other ways, and there's nothing wrong about that. But I can't plead desperately with the NHS. And they're a limited body. They can only do so much. But I can plead desperately with a God who is unlimited. Jairus and this woman, they knew what they needed and it was a longing within them. Now you might say, well, their need was, was greater than mine. The thing is, the more we come back to God, the more we, we bring our requests, the greater our sense of confidence that he will do them. And so it becomes a very personal thing between us and him and we're saying father i'm longing for this to happen i know that you can do it i want to see you do it and as that happens what changes is our relationship with him we realize that he's not just somebody big up in the sky that we go to and ask but he is somebody who we we are intimately connected to who longs to bring his kingdom on the earth and the things that grow within us are things of his kingdom there and if if we do not cry out for them there's nobody crying out for them you might be the only person praying for the thing that is really really important to you and the reason that it's growing so strongly within you is because God's spirit is stoking the fire don't be afraid of desperation Jesus said to uh, Jairus, don't yield to your fear. Don't look at your fears and think, what might they do? Just ignore them. I remember when Anne was, was very ill. Um, for those that don't know, Anne was, was my wife. She battled with cancer for two years. When she was very ill, my praying and our praying together actually became stronger. It wasn't out of desperation. It was out of longing and knowing that he was the only answer and often I would think can I pray like this is this is this a kind of legit way to to pray and that sort of went on inside me as I was in the process of, of praying and every time I felt God encouraging me on to go deeper into him to trust more and to to be more confident to be bolder in the way that I prayed the question arises then, of course, what happens when your prayers aren't answered? What happens when something that you have prayed for and given everything to doesn't happen? In my family's case, of course, Anne died. She didn't recover in the way that we, we prayed for. But that's not the only thing. It's not just a question of physical health for people. They're, they're things that we, we long for and pray for and plead with God for things that we uh, like Hannah in the Old Testament she prayed in such a way that that uh, when she was seen by Eli he just said what's you know why are you here drunk like this at uh, this time this is no time to be drunk and he said I'm she said I'm not drunk I'm just praying out of the depths of my being it's it's coming from here it's visceral and what happens when we don't see those answered or or things just don't work out uh let me let me tell you how 
happened with with Anne. Um, she was it was very near the the end of her life, and uh, we had been praying almost every day for for two years. And um, she was in hospital at this stage. It was a couple of days before she died, and I'd had a talk with the doctor, and um, and it was clear what the medical situation was. She the last few days she'd gone down hill pretty quickly and uh, I sat it she was in a room on her own obviously and I, I sat on the, the chair in her room and I just said okay Lord so what are we into now and uh, he said to me and I, it wasn't an audible voice but it was really really clear he simply said it's time to let her go now that might seem an extraordinary thing and theologically I didn't have a box for it I thought about a lot since then and uh, and I've I've got a bit more structure around it of the way God is but what helped at the time was the facts that over years and years and years and years I had built up a friendship with God and a level of trust in him that I could accept the way that he said it there wasn't a sense in me that I needed to argue about it it was just a an acceptance of something that wasn't perfect but it was what he was saying at the time and prayer is like that sometimes. I don't know why some things don't happen. I simply know that bad stuff happens. We live in a world that is being redeemed and is not fully redeemed. But afterwards, I had a decision to make. Am I going to be afraid to throw myself into prayer in the same way? And I had to make a decision and I had the opportunity fairly soon after to, to do that. And what I had to do was work out whether I was going to give in to my fears. Uh, I decided not to. I decided that because something hadn't worked out, it didn't change who God was. And so the things that he had shown me over the years that I've tried to, to walk with him and follow him, uh, I should continue to do. And I should continue to press in, to push through and not to yield to my fears. So what I'm asking is this. Where are the things like that that you're praying? What is it that you long for that comes from in here when you pray? And uh, where are there fears that maybe are affecting the way that you pray? Don't yield to them. Okay, I would like to, to pray for you. I realise I've, I've gone over time, so my apologies for that. That's the, the, the disadvantage of doing this live. You can't go back afterwards and think, oh, look, I'm far too long. I'll have to do it shorter. So my apologies, but let's pray. Father, I pray for all of us that we will discover what it is to push through opposition in our prayers and to trust you completely with things that we long for. And I pray, Father, that where there have been disappointments for people, where they have done that and they have prayed and things have not worked out, that because you are a father, you would come to them and bring comfort and help without necessarily bringing the answers, that simply the presence of one who is so loving and so powerful would meet the need caused by the, the disappointment. Amen.